<coughs> Podcast Network Asia. You're not half of anything. So you're not just half Filipino and then half nothing. I am Filipino. And as a whole, I am Filipino. Like that is one aspect of me, but it's whole. And the same with being British. I'm British as a whole. For our final installment with Chris Greatwich, we dig into his skill as a storyteller and the curiosity on display on his podcast, Across the Line. The show helps him dig deep with his guests and discover aspects of their lives you'd never find elsewhere. What a privilege it has been for me to get to know Chris Greatwich. This is Partially Pinoy, and we are powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. My last question for you has to do with your show. I've listened to a few episodes and one thing that I picked up on is how great you are at asking questions. I mean, Chris, there were a couple of times when I was listening to you and I thought, oh, this is like Oprah level questioning and curiosity. Um, You even asked Mark what his GPA was at school. And of course he didn't give it to you. And that was a really funny moment, but I thought, Chris is extremely curious about people and he, you know, really wants to know he, he and, and, and usually when I listen to an interview, I'm always thinking of, ah, oh, that, that would have been the bet. Like there, there was a question you could have asked in that moment and you didn't ask it, you know, I could just feel myself get really tense because so many questions don't get asked that I wish I could ask. And so, and I, but with you, I just thought, wow, like Chris asked that question. Like, like it was like almost from your gut that you were talking to the people you're interviewing. So I'm very curious about that, your curiosity. And I'm not just saying about the Oprah level, like that's really something that crossed my mind. And every time I hear you speak, I feel like I learned something. So even when you were explaining the um, progression of children, and football careers, if you want your child to play football and like that age of seven to 11 being very key. And, you know, by seven, there really isn't much of a difference between who's going to be a messy and who's not going to be a messy, but seven and 11. So, so that to me was so important and something nobody really talks about, but so beneficial for parents here. So I, I just want to, first of all, give you that compliment know that okay thank you I, re- I really appreciate that thank you yeah there's a, there's a talent there and you're also a great storyteller and so so tell me about a this curiosity this and, and I think there's a teacher within you obviously you are running an academy and, and you teach but there there's some sort of archetype that you occupy that um, really desires to connect with others and to tell their stories and your own story so so tell me about that. And maybe it, it is related to your identity as a mixed, you know, Filipino English guy. Maybe it isn't, but I'd love to hear about that evolution for you. Okay. So if, if you think I'm a good question, uh, good at questioning, there we go. I can't even get the words out. If you think I'm good at questioning, I think you'd probably be better off listening to my earlier podcasts. Uh, we were in the studio and it's a lot easier to gauge the, the feel of the person who you're interviewing because you're in the room and you, there's, there's something more kind of tangible about being with that individual. I, I find with Zoom, it's a little bit more difficult to kind of gauge the, you know, the, the, the flow of the conversation and then 
there's sometimes a little bit of a delay, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, the earlier podcasts we did, I think are better in terms of the flow of the questioning. Although my more recent ones, my partner Jing is, is exceptional also at doing that. So like that, that's where he's, he's also good at that. Yeah. So basically in another life, just, just to give the backstory to my, uh, my Oprah-esque um, line of questioning, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to print off, I'm gonna print off as a poster or something. I, when I came back from America, I was, I was really trying to figure out how I was going to get back into professional football. That was like my, my aim. I'd lost faith with football. I'd had enough. I'd, I'd really stopped enjoying it, which is why I went to America. So, so really- before you continue, I just want to say, so you were already married at this point. You've been living in America with your wife and you've been playing. No, no, sorry. This is before. So I, this is before. So I, yeah, no, this is, so this is before. So I, I finished my contract at Brighton Professional Club uh, in the UK at 19. I then moved to America to go to college. So I went to college there. Initially, not with my wife. We then got back together while we were in, I, I was in America. That's another story. Another, that's the relationship podcast. That's the more Oprah stuff. Then when I came back from America, I was like, I'm going to get back into pro football. I need to get back into it. I love it. That's what I want to be. Things just didn't work out. Things just didn't work out for me. I um, found myself playing kind of semi-professionally and needed to get a job. Um, I was earning okay money from my semi-professional career, but I, there wasn't enough to, to sustain a lifestyle that I wanted. So I ended up working in recruitment. My wife and I were then still living back in our hometown. So this is in Lewis. I was back at home with mum and dad. So then, yes, I was playing in in the UK, but then obviously still needed to get an additional job. So I started to work in recruitment. So my job, basically, I worked for um, a company that helped recruit graduates primarily into financial services. So that was my role. So I would honestly spend eight hours of the day talking to people on the phone, asking them questions. That was basically my, my job. But the nature, so, but my specific one, so this is where it gets a little bit more interesting, my my actual role was recruiting people to go into recruitment. So my job was basically to speak to people and find out if they were good communicators, what made them tick. And then I would actually go to my clients and say like, look, this guy is kind of what you said. He's a good storyteller. He's great at building rapport, this and that. So that was what I did for about two years. While I was playing semi-professional football was interviewing people eight hours of the day, every day. So it's a very easy transition when you go into the podcast world because, and I hadn't really interviewed anyone for about seven, eight years when I decided to do it, but all of those kind of natural instincts just kicked into gear because I've been doing it for so long. So I have to give a shout out to my recruitment background, which also, to be honest with you, is one of the best things I ever did. I initially really loved the job. And I love talking to people, but I cannot work in an office. I cannot. And I was really depressed about a year in, about a year into the gig. I hated it and I hated my life. And um, that was the catalyst to make me want to move to America. So packed up my stuff. Before I moved to America, my wife and I went on a around the world trip. And then we ended up moving back to America, which is where we ended up in New Jersey. So that's kind of how that, how that aspect of my life transpired. Yeah, going back to your sort of the questioning stuff, and the curiosity element, that's where it all stems from. Really trying to get down to what's the real story with this person. 
because you can look at someone's CV or their resume and be like, okay, this person went to, you know, an Ivy League school, this person went to a red brick university, this is what this person's about, but that's never what they're about. It's always something beneath that or something that's not on the resume that's going to be the reason why that candidate gets the job or why I think that candidate is more suited to that job than another one. You know, and that I would pride myself on what's the real factor. Like, like you talk about the Mark Winhofer one. I'm, I'd coached Mark, but I never knew he was a fat, chubby kid. I never knew that. And you wouldn't know that until you asked the question. If, if I was to be presumptuous, I would just assume he's from a really uh, affluent background. All of his family are winners in life, right? He, I guarantee he's probably just, you know, been really good at sport from a young age and he's just breezed through life, got himself into an Ivy League school and now he's cruising. It's not the case until you ask the questions, right? So that's also why I don't think you should be presumptuous of anyone's background, whatever page you happen to, of their book, whatever happen you page you open it at, it's never quite what it seems. So I think that's, talking about my curiosity, that's really where it is for me. It's like, what's the real story here? Because until you sit down and talk to someone about it, you never quite know. If you want to go to a really good one, I, I would suggest you listen to the Simone Rotter podcast that we did. That was the most... 180 degree turn of any individual that I'd met on, the, on our podcast. I'd known him for eight, 10 years, considered myself pretty, you know, good friends with him, shared many training camps with him, played on the field multiple times, played against him loads of times. And then some of the stuff he came out with, I was like, wow. And on the way home, we, we, so we rode in together and we came back. So he was an orphan, just to give you a backstory, he was an orphan. So I knew he was an orphan. That was a really well-told story. But since he's been in the Philippines, he's really well adjusted, super charismatic, you know, very likable chap. But he, he apparently he was a tearaway as a teenager, absolute tearaway, borderline alcoholic, um, threw away a bunch of opportunities, was quite abusive to his parents and then and then self-harmed. Uh, and, and all of that, I was like, whoa, that is crazy. And then on the way home, he said, I've never told anyone that. I've never told anyone that. This is all, he said, it, but he found it very therapeutic, almost cathartic, because he never had the opportunity, or no one's really asked him that question before. And then he said, when I was in the room, it just all poured out of me, and I don't, know, I don't really know why. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's really where my curiosity is, is come from, a mixture of, like, my work experience and, experiences and just really wanting to know what, what people are all about. And I think... To some degree, everyone's like that. And I think if the lockdown has taught me anything, I think those opportunities to have those types of conversations have become more and more um, prevalent and more and more commonplace. And it's not just about football-related issues or issues about, you know, politics. I think it's just important in all aspects of life. You know, I saw the Matthew McConaughey one about um, race relations. And that was an amazing... I don't know if you saw that one about, you know, what's it like to be a black person? And he sits down with, with a black guy and they just sort of talk and have that open conversation, I think. And then, you, like you said, you learn, don't you? You learn about someone's perspective. And I think no matter if you agree or disagree, you can always find that common ground with someone or something that there's a c common connection between you and that individual. If you just take the time to write, ask, ask the right questions. So that for me has been the best thing about doing the podcast. And I love, I love doing it, telling people stories, giving them an opportunity and a platform to speak about their lives and their experiences. And, and hopefully what it does in turn is it gives them a little bit of peace of mind if they've had a story or gives them an opportunity to share it where someone might not have known about that issue that they've had and 
but it might give them some solace. We, we had Neil Etheridge on the podcast and he was talking about his issues with mental health. This is a guy who's playing in the English Premier League at the time, you know, the biggest football league in the world, earning incredible money. And he was depressed, you know, and he was saying how he had mental health issues and how he had to go and speak to us, to a psychologist. And I never knew that. He told me on the show. I would consider him one of my closest friends. You know what I mean? Like, okay. But you just don't have those conversations. You know, a lot of it is quite superficial chat. So until you sit down and talk with these people, you never really know the full story. So I guess that's the reason why I like doing it is, is what's, what's the real story behind that individual. And then once it's shared, I think a lot of people identify with it and they're like, wow, okay, he's a fully like multidimensional person. He's not just Neil the footballer or Mark the Ivy League scholar. You know, it's like he's a well-formed, well-rounded individual. He's had to go through their own issues as well. And that in turn, I think, gives people hope and inspiration to want to build and tackle that head on in their own lives. So sorry for that long-winded answer there. But yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. It's beautiful. And I, I think of, you know, even Misa, he said that before he was on the national team, he was in a family home that was run down and he had to catch mice with his hands. And 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 then he said even as recently as 2018, same story. He was depressed and and all of this after injuries. And I, I thought, wait, I didn't see that on Instagram. You know, I just thought like this is, you were depressed. You wanted to end your life. I don't understand. This was just two years ago. And I think, you know, the other common thread aside from what you said is that we, you know, life really truly is, it truly is the ups and the downs and it is unavoidable and we all go through it. And I think same with Mark. Like, I, don't, I don't know much about how football recruiting happens in the U.S., but I was excited for him to get recruited into the MLS. And I just recently looked at the list and I didn't see his name. So I don't know what that means. Yeah, so we didn't get drafted. So, you know, like most other um, you know, American sports, if you're undrafted, you're in that kind of limbo stage where you might end up having to try out for teams and you know, but you're obviously not guaranteed of any kind of contract. Um, fortunately for him, I think he's got options. So he might be, well, I say options, but obviously COVID permitted, you know, going to maybe another country to try out. But obviously that initial dream has is, is evaded him in the short term. Maybe he can go and try out for a club in the MLS and maybe realise that dream, which would be great. But I, I just even said to him in the podcast, I don't think that's necessarily going to be the, the, the be all and end all. If he does make it, great. If he doesn't make it, that's just another obstacle that he will have to overcome. And, He's overcome many in his in his life and his family. He's got a history of, of dealing with those obstacles and then prevailing. So, yeah, it's, it's sad news at the moment because obviously that linear path to that promised land is has been blocked. But I'm hopeful we can get something um, down the road, whether it be MLS or, or somewhere else abroad. Yeah. Or the Philippine national soccer team. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, something like that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, so you're like your choices are get drafted into the MLS or the national soccer team of your mother country. Like what? You know, it's like almost like a first world problem. And I, by the way, I have an econ degree from Yale, so. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you're going to be short on options. We'll return to our show and hear more from our guest in just a moment. And the thing that I am most, I actually identify with the most is that uniqueness that I have. 
This show is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia, powered by Podmetrics. Podmetrics takes care of the details so we can focus on making the best content for you. Visit podmetrics.co and sign up for free. Use code PARTIALLYPINOY. And you know what, going back to that thing, like I, I know there's a, there's a, there's loads of different sort of school of thoughts, schools of thought with that, putting all your eggs in one bar- basket, being really single-minded and focused about like, this is what I want to do and, and having that real tunnel vision. Well, I don't really subscribe to that. I think the route that Mark has taken is, is one that I would advise anybody. You can train two hours a day with your football. That, that will get you to a really good point, you know, and watching, doing your studies, uh, you know, studying the game, being analytical, all that kind of stuff, that, that's also important. But I think you've also got to be a well-rounded individual because even if you do make it as a footballer, it's a short career. You know, what are you going to do after that? I mean, you see there's, there's statistics about NFL and basketball players and how many players, when they leave the league, they, they have you know, high rates of divorce, of bankruptcy, of, of financial instability. You know, and that's probably because a lot of those guys, you know, they, they leave for the pros early. You know, they don't get the full academic background or if they did, you know, a lot of their papers are graded for them. And, you know, they, they get a leg up through the administration because at the end of the day, they're promoting their university. Right. And that's wrong. That's where you're doing a disservice to these individual athletes. So if you're going to be a Mark Winhofer and worst case scenario, you break your leg tomorrow. Yeah, you're going to be okay with an econ degree from Yale. You know, you're going to get yourself a pretty good job if you have to go into the workplace and probably set yourself up for life. So, you know, that's a big, big one. I think that's a, a tripping point for a lot of individuals is they focus on this is it. This is, and for every individual that comes from South America out of the favela to prevail, to make it in Europe, to earn million-dollar contracts, there's hundreds of thousands of kids that don't make it and they're still in that favela and, and don't have the opportunity to, to progress their career. So definitely that Mark is a great example of that, of, of being able to balance that academic side with that football aspiration and, and and trying to prevail i think that's a really really important message for anyone who who listens and especially for filipinos because i think you know a- academics is important don't crush your kid's dream either i saw the joe koi documentary or the, the on netflix it was saying that um you know the world is littered with filipino nurses that wanted to be a jabberwocky you know what i mean they're all they're all there doing uh you know moonwalks and, and stuff like that but, but their parents crushed their dream <laughs> And it made them be nurses. So, yeah, I, I, I do think you have to temper that. Um, but I think that's a good message for any, anyone who's listening. I think give their kids the freedom and the latitude to want to pursue their dreams. But they do have to have that, that anchor, which will always be that foundation of academics. Yeah. And Mark said, as you said, a great example of that. So, so to wrap up, I want to, you know, circle back to identity. So as, you know, mm. a mixed person, I never felt fully Filipino, very much accepted by the Filipinos, but never felt fully Filipino, never felt fully Iranian. And there's sort of this tension you live with uh, when you're when you're half. And so I'd love to know from you what your advice is for other kids like you who similar background and, and all of that. And, you know, if they're struggling with their identity or don't quite know where they belong, how, you know, what kind of advice you'd give them to overcome that and just accept themselves? Yeah, really difficult. And, and it's something that took time with me. The term half caste was always like a, a term that was used in the UK growing up. Ironically, there's a poet who's from my town and we had to do this as a poetry for our, my English GCSEs. It, it, it's, the poem is called Half Caste. And the basic premise of it is you're not half of anything. 
you're not half of anything. He's his kids were uh, I think half Caribbean and half half uh, half white. You're not half of anything. So you're not just half Filipino and then half nothing. I am Filipino, that, and as a whole, I am Filipino. Like that is one aspect of me, but it's whole. And the same with being British. I'm British as a whole as a whole entity do you know what I mean it, it, I'm not half of anything so yeah it, it, you're more of a mix and a blend of those two things but you are whole of each of them if that makes sense so I think there are aspects of my personality that are, that are British because of my foundation because of how I've grown up you know if you grow up in a country you become that country like if even if I was you know I'm part American. I'm not American at all. I don't have the passport, but I do feel American because most of my adult life, I, I was there uh, from the age of 19. You know, my real sort of formative years, development years, I was, I was there. So I do feel American in, 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 in some way, despite not having that passport and that stamp that says that I am. I know my wife feels the same. She's 100% British. So I don't think that it should ne necessarily be tied to you know, necessarily the ethnicity or the, 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 the background of your parents. Like, that doesn't really make sense. My kids both have Filipino passports, but they're quarter Filipino, if you want to look at it, by the actual makeup of their genetics. You know, I'm, I'm sure they will grow up feeling more Filipino as they, you know, mix with more Filipino people, as they eat more Filipino food, as they hopefully get to grips with their language a little bit more and they will see themselves as being more Filipino, but I know that they also see themselves as British. So the, the, the key for me is not feeling lessened or, or, or downgraded or less of a, you know, half of a person just because you're of mixed, of, of mixed parentage, mixed heritage. You are, if anything, you become a bigger person. You are a more rounded individual. You have, you're more multifaceted, multidimensional in, in that regard. And I think people are always striving to be different. What's your USP? What makes you different to the next person? And that for me, as I've got older, while it was difficult in my younger years, is the thing that I'm most proud about and the thing that I am most, I actually identify with the most is that uniqueness that I have. So when I go back to the UK, I understand that when I walk into the room, some people are going to be like, oh, you speak with an English accent, but you look of Asian, you know, uh, persuasion, if you will. Uh, you know, when I'm here, I understand that people are going to look at me differently because I don't look full Filipino. I get that. But I think in that curiosity, that's what, for the most part, will give people that level of intrigue you know, what's 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 this guy's story? What's he all about? How how does that work? And yet, for sure, there are other, there are negative connotations that come with that, for sure. Especially in my line of work with football, there are negative connotations with being Asian, and that boils into the stereotypes that you that you have. And I've experienced that. You know, I've experienced that negative connotations that come with being Asian and having those some of the really horrific stereotypes that come with that. You know, there's often that feeling that I would be submissive or that I would be, you know, an easy pushover, which is not the case. Quite strong-willed and I have my conviction. So that debunks that straight away, which I think is, which I think is important. And then on the flip side here, that sort of mestizo element, you know, I, I debunk that, but sometimes not necessarily a positive way. I don't speak the language and, uh, you know, I, am, um, I, I don't come from an affluent background, but maybe that gives me a more greater sense of grounding, I suppose, or perspective, because I don't come from that kind of affluent background.
and maybe I'm more in touch with my, you know, the, the more common, the more common people, if that, if that kind of makes sense. But yeah, more, more so just for people to understand if they are in that similar situation to you or me, it, you're, you're not half of a person, you are a whole person. And if anything, it should be something that should be celebrated because you can pull from those different cultures to make yourself an even, an even bigger person, an even bigger personality and, and not to feel ashamed of that because that's something that I struggled with for a long time. It's something that I'm not proud of, but it's something that as I've got older, I've got to grips with and, and hopefully my kids will understand that too. It's something that I'm really keen to pass on to them and, and share that message with anyone who listens to, to this podcast. And that's such an important lesson because life, as we've talked about, is so much about failure and success of being rich and also of being poor, of being accepted and not accepted. And so I think when you're like us, you sort of live within those tensions as, you know, in, in your very being, you are that tension of the opposites. And so I think I see what you're saying about adding those layers. It adds a layer to your humanity because you live within that tension already. Yeah, that was a far more succinct way of, of putting my long-winded answer together. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, Chris, thank you so much. What a pleasure. I knew going into this that it was going to be amazing. And I just appreciate you and your time. I do have a dream of, of coming back home to the Philippines with our children and uh, maybe to live, maybe to visit. But Misal already promised you would build my home. So I'll be sure to, um, you he's know. Always, he's always selling. He's always selling something, that guy. You know, you can't, you, that, that's his, that's his Iranian and Filipino side. Like there, there has to be a good salesperson there for sure. So yeah, that doesn't surprise me. There's always an angle with, with, with me, but that's, uh, that's good to know. At least you'll have a place to live. <laughs> yeah. And so I'll definitely reach out. I'd love to continue this conversation in some form. And it's, it's just an amazing, amazing experience we get to have. And, and I'm glad we're talking about it. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on. I really enjoyed it. Did you not really do the picture? You forgot that, haven't you? Oh, I, oh my gosh, you are so good. A huge thank you to Chris Greatwich for joining us on Partially Pinoy. On our next episode, we speak with April Whirl, a first-generation Filipino-American artist and muralist who merges the iconic landscapes of Montana with Visayan motifs. I didn't really realize the way of being half white until I started dating and spending time with white families. And I realized that I was just so, so curious and that it was really foreign. Like, what do you eat for dinner? Um, what it, like, what does your family time look like? Partially Pinoy is a Podcast Network Asia production in partnership with Bridger Media in Los Angeles. Our show is developed and executive produced by Leila Jerusalem. The series is produced by Nikai Lucanias. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. <laughs>